Hi, welcome to People Please's podcast hosted by me, Rylan Hernandez, and Bracey. Today we're going to be discussing abduction. Abduction is the act of taking someone away by force or deception. There are 87,500 active records of missing or unidentified people in the United States alone in 2019. Out of these 87,500 active records, 35% of them were juveniles under the age of 18. 44% were for missing persons between 19 and 20 years of age. Disclaimer, we mean no harm by telling the stories of others and discussing theories about victims. We just want to inform and do our best to justify these people. The first story we're going to be talking about is Madeline McCann. I found this story on independent.com. Um, the story begins when Kate and Jerry and their three-year-old daughter, Madeline, and her two-year-old twin sibling joined a group of her family friends on a holiday. And after the spring break, the adults in the parties went out for a dinner of the resorts on May 3rd. Gathering at 8.30 p.m., the children were left sleeping in their respective apartments with the doors locked and the Rona system in place, along with the parents to ensure that someone returns every half hour to check on them. When Kate, the mother of Madeline, took her turn and returned to her apartment at 10 p.m., she raced back to the restaurant screaming, Madeline, it's gone. Someone's taken her. The police were quickly called and 60 staff and fellow guests searched the complex, calling out the girl's name until daybreak the morning. The border police and airport staff were put on alert and hundreds of volunteers joined the effort to find the missing girls. The Portuguese authorities were also later attracted criticism over the conduct in the cruelest earliest hours of the investigation, when the trail might still have been warm, accused of making rudimentary mistakes like failing to conduct a house-to-house search of every local residence, and interview all the other guests. The police initially started to believe that Madeline was still alive and was abducted by the room by a stranger over the parents described. Then on the 26th of May, police issued a description of a suspicious man seen on the night of the girl's disappearance. He was spotted by one of the McCann's dining companions who said she's seen the Mediterranean man with dark hair and trousers carrying a child close to the apartment when she went to check in on her own child children but they would later dismiss the sighting as a red herring one of the many theories about madeline's disappearance is that she died in the apartment that night to me i think that this could be true because how the there was blood found in the actual rental car that they hired and cadaver dogs went in to the holiday apartment and to the room that she was staying in and they alerted twice to having like bones or bone particles in the bedroom and on the back patio entrance. And they alerted again on her clothes and on one of her toys that she was carrying around after her daughter disappeared. While we're on the theory that she died in the apartment that night, there's also a theory that Kate McCann drugged her children to help them sleep that night so they could go out and she accidentally gave Madeline an overdose, which is why the disappearance was staged as a cover-up. A theory that the authorities had is that they think a convicted rapist, Christian Bruckner, was a main suspect in Madeline's case. Christian Brucker was a 43-year-old prisoner that had a track record of child abuse and drug trafficking, which is why they thought that he could be one of the main suspects because he was in the area at the time that she disappeared. He was living in his Boltzwagger camper, camper van in Aurev at the time of her disappearance, and one woman did come forward and suggest that she might have saw a little girl that could have been Madeline speaking German to him in the circle supermarket in Portugal. German investigators classified 
her case as a murder inquiry, saying that they're working and being that Madeline instead is near and not dead in Hanover because she could have theoretically been held captive because they Chris, they found an abandoned cellar beneath Christian Brucker's former allotment where he was staying. Now we're going to talk about how we feel about these theories. My opinion? Her parents did it. No, I agree because when they went to their apartment to find like the crime scene and everything, Everything had been trampled through, the evidence was lost and contaminated, or it simply wasn't even taken in the first place. And why would they leave afterwards in a car, in a rental? I know they're like, they're in a town, they have a rental car, but why would they leave blood and evidence yeah, why was in the her car? Blood in the car? Like, and then, oh, but it was after her disappearance. So, how did her blood get in the rental no, car? They rented then, after her appearance. Why did the dog smell Madeline, like Madeline's blood on her mom's shirt? I feel like the rental car dude knows something. Yeah, he definitely does. He definitely cleaned the blood out of the car. Like, is she, she might be, like, buried near the apartment because they found the bone cadaver stuff from the dogs. Or maybe they had her, like, in a bag or something and, know. like, went in the rental car. Because, like, it's not like you could just take a body no, into a rental car. Unless it looked like she was still alive. And then it's like she was, like, transporting her while she was sleeping. Okay, that was that's kind of scary, though. That <laughs> is kind of scary, but that... But I feel like he would have came out and been like, hey, yeah, I saw that girl dead in my car or, like, maybe alive. But, like, would he have seen it if it was a rental car? Because they would have rented the car and drove themselves. Oh, yeah. It's not like a taxi. Kate's also, like, trying to push it on everyone else. Yeah, She's she like, really did. this dude, this dude was recording. Yeah. And you look at this dude, creepy dude behind us. He was watching us. Maybe he did it. And then why was the smell of Madeline's blood on the teddy bear if Kate had the teddy bear after, you know, she was... <laughs> murdered like she was murdered and then she got a teddy bear and oh why is Mad- Mad- madeline on it yeah what, why is her blood on there that doesn't really make sense to me but that's why i kind of think that they did do it but i don't think it was perfect i think the overdose I think thing maybe the overdose yeah, yeah. i think that might have been like spot on whoever like pinpoint that okay. because, well they just wanted to go out and party with their friends they're like oh a little bit of melatonin won't yeah, do like, much and then it was like not melatonin, it's something else. Cause you can't. Don't, can you even overdose on melatonin? I don't know, but maybe she could. And oh, she was. Because she was young. She was young. Wasn't she? What three? I oh. think. Yeah, she was three. So three. You can overdose real fast being three. Yeah. And then doesn't she have other siblings somewhere there? Yeah, she had the two twins, the younger siblings. Yeah, so they all probably got melatonin, and they just gave her too much. Yeah. Or maybe maybe they didn't want her. That that's kind of deep. That's kind of dark. Because like the other ones didn't die. How how did she yeah, give the older had, one had, more medicine? I don't know, but I think that they could have definitely done it and buried her under the I back don't patio. Know they even got, I don't and, well, they then afterwards they were released to go back to their hometown in Brazil. So they from Britain. It said Brazil on there. Oh, so they went back to it and they were allowed to because the German police were like, "Nah, you're fine." After the chief investigator got fired off of the case because he was siding with the McCanns. And that means they would have tried to throw him off the scent. Yeah. That's, I don't know, I feel like the parents killed her is definitely like. Yeah, number one, parents killed her. Maybe, maybe the pedophile, but I feel like they know have more information, not just like, oh, he had a Volkswagen near at a grocery store and he was kind of living next to them for a while but like they don't have any evidence that he was watching like how does he know that they were gone and like his basement could have just been a basement like his little cellar oh, well <laughs> he was convicted <laughs> convicted of 
rape of children and drugs. Yeah. He probably kept his drugs there, but like he was probably they probably would have found like blood or like cadaver evidence found something in, near him. Yeah, like, but they didn't. They just like, oh, yeah, this person just, has this. Maybe it's him. I don't know. I don't know. When Julia Wendell came forward about being Madeline McCann, the authorities had a better idea that, that she could be Livia or Alyssa Shep. So currently, Julia is getting DNA tested to see if she could be one of the three girls. And there's no further information on that. This now brings us to the topic of Olivia and Alyssa Shep. Livia and Alyssa are twins from Switzerland. They were abducted on January 30th of 2011 in Lausanne, Switzerland at the age of six years old. Friday, the 28th of January, Matthias Shep picked up his daughters to spend the weekend with him. Then Saturday, the next day, Shep sent an SMS message to his wife that said, We're all right, we'll return Monday. Then Sunday, the girls are seen for the last time with Shep in St. Sulpice. Then the same day, he crossed into the frontier into France. Monday the 31st, which is when he was supposed to go home with the girls, Shep withdraws money from several cash points and sends a postcard to his wife. And then him and the girls were believed to be taking an evening ferry to Porpirino, Corsica. Then Tuesday, they should have been home by Nile, but they weren't. Tuesday, February 1st, Shep disembarks in Porpirino again, with or without his daughters, it is unknown, and takes a ferry from Bastina into the northeast and arrives at Toulon the next morning. Then Wednesday, February 2nd, at 9.13, Shep is photographed alone at a toll. Then Thursday, Shep is observed by a witness in Italy and throws himself under a train at Kerganola. One of the theories about the twins is that their father had killed them, which makes sense because their father had had them all weekend, and before their father had committed suicide, he had Googled suicide techniques, types of poisons, and fairy schedules before taking the twins from their home. Another piece of evidence that helps, another piece of evidence that helps support the claim that he killed them was that in February of 2011, police investigators said that Shep sent a letter to his wife suggesting that he had killed the children. The letter was not released to the public, and according to CNN, the Italian newspaper was allowed to publish a single sentence from the letters, which said, the children rest in peace and they have not suffered. The theory that the dad had killed the girls is very likely because they were with the dad the whole weekend, and then when they were supposed to be back, they weren't, and the girls have not been seen since. And though he never fully confessed, it does make sense for him to be the one that done it in the letter, like, helps, like, in, you know? Yeah. What I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, I don't know how to, like, word it, but that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it, like, helps put towards the court, like, the case that he probably did kill the girls. Most likely. Yeah, and they, like, I don't know if you would count this as an abduction story because it's leaning towards the dad, but the dad did take the girls, so therefore, I think it... He, he had custody for a weekend. He and was supposed to bring them back. Gone. And... He said to the first, he sent a letter and said, we are all fine. We will be back Monday. Monday comes around. The, they, they there. Yeah. He wasn't even seen with the girls. And then he doesn't even come back. He just kills himself. Yeah. And the fact that he did research previously to it, that he, like about suicide, like ways to kill yourself and different poisons. See, the fairy line and then the other one, what was the um, fairy or something? Yeah, like because he intensely searched like fairy trip, like. But I feel like that could just be like he wanted to go different places. Yeah, but like, like his daughters aren't because they did take a lot of ferries. Yeah, and, but you kind of need to do research for you just hop on a boat and you're like, where are we going now? Yeah. 
So I feel like that is likely, but there's also a possibility that it wasn't, and he just was so, like, devastated. devastated that he just killed himself. So there's, like, I pers- I don't know how I feel about this personally, but it just makes sense to me. And he had to have known something, though, because he's the one that had the girls. Either he knows that someone abducted them and kidnapped them, or he did something to them. Yeah, or he gave them to somebody and something happened. Yeah, something happened over the weekend trip when they were last seen with him on, I believe it was Saturday. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it was a Saturday the last time they were seen. But, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Hmm. They took a ferry trip and they never came back? And then dad kills himself? So that lady has no husband, no kids. Guess what? I think she's still living, though, so. With no kids, though? Yeah, I know. Could you imagine how devastating that would be? Like, your whole, like, little family. And they never found any bodies or any evidence towards either him murdering them or anyone else murdering or abducting them. Which means that they could have simply just been taken and now they're living life somewhere else. They could have been separated also. Yeah. Now we are going to be covering the story of Brittany Ann Beers. She was six at the time of her abduction slash murder slash kidnapping. They don't really know for sure. But Brittany was playing outside of her family's house in an apartment building during the evening hours of September 16, 1997. She went outside to ride her bicycle at 7.30, and her mother, Tina Steller, left to run errands at approximately 8.30 and saw her daughter riding her bicycle around the neighborhood. Her half-brother told authorities he saw her sister sitting on a bench about five minutes after their mother left, and a witness told investigators that he saw Brittany speaking to an unidentified male driving a red or brown mid-sized vehicle. Brittany walked over to see over to the witness and told him that she made a new friend and then Brittany has never been seen again. Stella returned home at approximately 9.05 and asked Brittany's brother to find her. The authorities were summoned when the child could not be located near the apartment complex, which is located on US 12, the major thoroughfare through Sturgis, through Sturgis. Brittany's bicycle was discovered abandoned shortly after she was last seen. Sketches of the unidentified man seen speaking to Brittany were distributed through the areas the following days on her appearance. Then one of the sketches is posted with the case summary that was in our article, and it is not known if the man is connected to her case. He was in his late 30s and early, uh, early 20s to late 30s with short dark hair and thick mustache and was driving either a mid-sized red car or a brown Renault. And then police are still looking for the man, but we cannot call him a suspect, but a witness, since they do not know if he was a part of it. One of the only theories about Brittany's case is that the man she talked to took her. There's not much known about that otherwise, but there's a lot of information leading towards that he definitely was the one that took her. Personally, I think the man probably did take her, being her six-year-old self, and why would a man come up and talk to a little girl riding a bicycle down the street? And the witness did say, that she made a new friend when he when she walked over to that witness and was talking to her. And I found more information that says that in Michigan court, it was wish where they were, that Brittany's older brother and younger sister was removed from the home after allegations of child physical and sexual abuse and neglect were issued over Brittany's father, Raymond, and his brothers, James, his their older brother, and Kevin Folsom, the father of one of her half-brothers, and they were re- allegedly involved in the abuse of the children, which could be like, hey, maybe they molested Brittany, but then uh, 
he was Volson, the uh, father of the half-brother, was imprisoned for molesting Brittany, but he was released in 2008. Another theory of Brittany's case is that a police officer named Daniel Furlong was a person of interest. They thought that he was a person of interest because he had already had a past with abducting, sexually assaulting, and strangling two other girls. He had killed one of the girls he had kidnapped, but the other one got set free, and he confessed to the murder and pleaded guilty. The girl he had murdered, name was Judy, and she'd also resembled what Brittany had looked like, so there was a theory that he maybe he was picking up girls of the same type. This man had a striking resemblance to the sketch of the man that was seen with Brittany prior to her disappearance. Our first solved case is Jessica Lunsford. She was abducted on the 24th of February, 2005, out of her bedroom in her home. She was under the care of her grandparents at the time, but she was in her home that they were babysitting for her dad. She was missing the morning of when her father found her missing out of her bed, and then they put out a Amber Alert for the child. She was nine years old at the time. Jessica Lunsford was abducted by a registered sex offender. Investigators went by every door-to-door to 208 different sex offenders in the area that surrounded her house. They found one sex offender that was near her home that, she, that was in eyesight of her own house that was named Cooey, and he lived down the street and then later confessed through a lie detector test that he did abduct, abduct, rape, and murder Jessica at around 3 a.m. He said he entered the house and woke her up and told her don't tell or nothing, and then took her to his half-sister's mobile home where he kept Jessica alive for the weekend where he raped her over and over again. Investigators had came to the mobile home for the initial door-to-door search, while Jessica was still alive, but for some reason they did not come into the home and search. Huey said he wished they would have because then they would have found her, but they didn't. He said, then in addition to the sexual assaults, Huey kept Jessica hidden in a closet and mentally tortured her by showing her the news reports on her disappearance. When Huey was done with Jessica, he told her to climb into a garbage bag and that he would take her home, but he failed to do so. He instead drove her to a hole that he he dug pre her being in the garbage bag and then tried to justify her his actions, saying that she didn't try to fight back. She was then found later on Earth while she was tightly clutching her stuffed dolphin that she had and was found dead. Because of Jessica's story, there was a law called Jessica's Law, and the law mandates a minimum sentence of 25 years and a maximum of life in prison for the first offense of sex offenders. These are our thoughts on the Jessica Lunsford story. So the first thing to start off with is that they already went to his, her trailer, his trailer, pre her being dead when they were doing their search to search house with all the sex offenders, but didn't go inside his. And he said he wished they did because then she would have been alive, but they didn't. Yeah, and she was just chilling there in a closet. Yeah, which I feel like if they went inside, she would have been found alive and he would have been sentenced. They would have searched the closet first. Yeah. Like. Also, her body was buried 200 feet from the yacht, from her house. 
you like you can tell when soil's like freshly you know moved around like and they had bloodhounds searching the area and they just didn't find the body that no that is really weird and i don't think like a garbage bag will do anything no because yeah especially no not even a little bit the smell yeah like you ever throw away like a rotten food and it's like stinky yeah you gotta throw that out immediately The sex offender that took her is also kind of weird. He was saying, oh, yeah, I wish they did search my house and found her alive. Like, he's, like, remorseful in a way. Yeah, sorry for wasting your time. He said, I wish they found her, but they didn't. And he was trying to justify his actions, saying she didn't fight back. A nine-year-old's not going to fight back. No, like, and then he was like, sorry, I wasted your time, and then told him where the body was exactly. Like, if he didn't want to waste her time, don't just say the truth. Don't have to make yeah. them forced to do a lie detector test. And then it was like, you need to tell me the results because I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Our next case is Madison Middleton. Madison was an eight-year-old girl who was disappeared on July 26th of 2015 in Santa Cruz, California. When Madison disappeared that Sunday afternoon, a massive manhunt scoured all Santa Cruz, California for her. On Monday night, however, the police discovered the girl's body hidden in a recycling bin inside the apartment that she was missing from. On Wednesday, the district attorney, Jeff Russell, announced that he was charging Adrian Gonzalez as an adult for not only murder, but also kidnapping and sexual assault. According to the criminal complaint, Gonzalez brought Maddie back to his apartment where he tied her up, beat her, raped her, and strangled her before dumping her body in the bin in the parking garage downstairs. At first, neighbors said the incident must have been a childish game gone terribly wrong. But what had happened is Adrian promised Maddie ice cream and lured her into the trap to be kidnapped. Adrian allegedly disposed of Maddie's body just five minutes before her mother, Laura Jordan, called the police on Sunday evening. She was caught on surveillance video dumping the body in a bin and then twice visiting the same spot after officers arrived to look for Madison. He repeatedly asked if the police were making any progress in the case. When the police did find Maddie's body, he was standing nearby watching. Gonzalez was charged, but his age means he's exempt from the death penalty. And as the motive, he said that he had been feeling suicidal and that he wanted to see how people would really react by killing the girl. Now we're going to be discussing our thoughts on the case. The first thing I want to address is that the Washington Post said, the yo-yo loving kid. Like this was supposed to justify all of the actions he did just because he loved to yo-yo. He was 15, he would never do so much because he loved his yo-yo. He really did love that yo-yo, I guess. And played the piano. Oh, yeah, he played the piano, and he played very, very sad music, and he posts to it, and then he deactivated his page. Due to comments about being suicidal. So, there's that for you. I like how he was just standing beside the crime scene, like, watching them. Did you guys get it yet? Did you find her? Oh, my God, where's she at? Like, he didn't know. And Netflix says he's the only one pestering him about the case. Like, that's a little, that's weird. Like, he wouldn't even know her. They were in the same apartment complex, but, like, he wouldn't have, like... She was 15. She was 8. Like, the neighbors. Oh, maybe it was just maybe a game. Maybe it was a A 8-year-old with a 15-year-old boy? If my 15-year-old boy was hanging out with an 8-year-old girl, I would be a little concerned. Not because, like, but, like, why? You're a teenager. Nobody wants anything to do with an 8-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he literally said he lured her away with ice cream. Whose mom did not tell her? Sorry, mom, not to blame you, but like... You don't accept candy from strangers. My mommy wouldn't even let me go to the ice cream truck without her. And she went to a full apartment complex with a random dude. She was like, ice cream? 
what kind? He's like, any. I'm an ice cream master. You know, maybe while With his yo-yo was, skills. No, maybe while he was like, and like asking the cops if they found anything, if he would have yo-yoed, they would have forgot. Yeah. Would have been like, oh, that kid was just yo-yoing. He was innocent. yo-yoing down the street watching us. He was like, hey, you find that girl yet? Yo-yo. It's one of those light-up ones from the guys who used to come in and like. He walked know, the by school. the dumpster twice. Do you remember the assemblies we used to have at school where they would just bring the yo-yo guy in? Yeah. The and yo-yo he'd guy. sell us yo-yos. And ducks. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the ducks. I never bought anything from those because I thought they were kind of sketchy. <laughs> the guy always scared me. He had, I had a lot the, of ducks. The, did he wear a funky hat for you guys? Yeah, I didn't really know. But that's who that guy probably was trying the to be. The yo-yo kid. He was like, he was creepy. And he played yo-yo on him. And murdered a little girl. Because he him. wanted to see how people would react. Yeah, like, what? that's kind of psychotic. Like, I don't, I just wanted to see how they would react. I just wanted, like, maybe so that I could see how people would feel if I died. That's really selfish to murder And someone. now he probably will die. Did it, did it say how she died? Was it, like, strangulation? Strangulation from a yo-yo? Probably from a yo-yo. Oh, my gosh. Probably with his personal best yo-yo. He's probably like, the ones that light up. He's like, yeah, yeah. Look, at the, you, look at my yo-yo. Uh-huh. You need to let episode of Zach and Cody, like, Zach and Cody <laughs> where he yo-yos it. He did yes. a trick and, like, got her on her neck. I shouldn't be joking. But, yeah, maybe that's, that's probably what, what he did with yeah. the yo-yo. Yeah. But he also raped her, which is really sad. Yeah, that's really a sad. A 15-year-old knows what rape is. Like, I mean, yeah. How is he in puberty? <laughs> His little, like, what's that What's that thing in the brain called? Where... Pituitary gland. Pituita- pituitary <laughs> gland. Just, it really. It's not even fully evolved yet, and he's like, he's like, rape. He's like, yo-yo? I'm going to press my yo-yo skills and ice cream first. Yeah. And now she's dead. Yeah. Rest in <laughs> Next, we're going to be talking about Sarah Everd. Sarah was a 33-year-old female abducted on March 3, 2021 in London. On the evening of March 3, 2021, 33-year-old Sarah Everd was kidnapped in South London, England, and she was walking home. She was stopped by an off-duty police officer, Wayne Cousins, who identified himself as a police officer, handcuffed her, and placed her in his car before driving her to the near Dover, where he raped and strangled her before burning her body and disposing of her in the nearby pond. On March 9th of 2021, Cousins was arrested in Deal Kent, first suspicion of Everett's kidnapping, and later on, suspicion of her murder. Ivar's remains were discovered in the woodland near Ashford, Kent, on 10th of March. Following the identifications, Cousins was charged with her kidnapping and murder. On June 8th of 2021, Cousins pleaded guilty to Everett's kidnapping and rape, and he admitted responsibility for her death. On July 9th, he pleaded guilty to her murder, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment with a whole life order on September 30th of 2021. Now we will be discussing our thoughts on Sarah's case. I think it's weird how he hit his head on a toilet seat before the cops had to go to his house and interview him. So he had to go to the hospital and then he could refuse to talk to the police officers. He then wiped his phone and denied knowing who she was, even though he was the one that falsely arrested her. Even though she was just walking home. She's trying to go home. Burned her body and threw her in a lake. But on the right side, at least her lake. Remains were found. And she Did was he just chilling there. burn her alive? Oh, I don't even know, girl. I'm hoping like after he killed her. At- no, he strangled her before. Strangled. Strangled She's- before burning her body and disposing of her remains in a nearby pond. Still burning the body. No one's like, oh, no one smells burning- that. You know, you're like, ooh. I mean, I get it was secluded, but somebody's gotta be around there. Somebody and like, he's nearby. I least someone. It's like a pond. Like, it's not like you're just, like, driving down and you're like, oh, let me just do And his patrol car. Yeah. You, it's not, like, I mean, I guess if he parked it right, it was just like he was patrolling there. But, like, with no headlights on. As he's there. raping her in the back seat. 
Was it in the back seat or was it just on the ground? Or in like the woods? Exactly. I don't really know. But this is really sad. This poor girl. She's very pretty. She is gorgeous. She's a gorgeous woman. Whatever, Wayne. That was rude. He didn't get. He pleaded guilty to all three, though, at least. Like, but he didn't get convicted of false arrestment. I mean, they didn't, they didn't really care. It wasn't even worth it at that point. They got him on three <laughs> accounts. They could have got him on a fourth. I mean, I guess, but it kind of wouldn't have been, like, as heavy as, like, like kidnap. Murder. Murder. True. Like, but still, he technically got away with false accusations. I guess, yeah, I mean... I don't even know. Um, oh, I guess. No, what if he had a body cam too? Like, this is, it's 2021. There should have been a body cam. A patrol car cam? Yeah, like, you know. Maybe he was off duty. When you get pulled over, they're like, just so you know, I'm recording. Or you just talk to the police. Like, after the voice came in the car, they were like, I'm recording. Don't worry. He's like, I'm just nervous because I'm nervous, bro. <laughs> well, he was probably off duty, so he didn't have to have anything That's on. That's true, he might have been. But you're not supposed to drive your car unless you're on duty. Okay, well, he home. obviously didn't care. He was raping, murdering, kid- kidnapping people. Yeah, he, I mean, was this, that's another thing. Is this, like, the only girl he's done it to, or has there been others? And we wouldn't know, because he's not going to confess and yeah. like, well, be he, like, oh, I, I did it to others, you should just. He should have just do it, because he's already life in prison. No parole, nothing. True. Like, that's crazy. And he pleaded guilty, though, so he didn't have to go to At least he owned it. At least he wasn't like, no, no. I, I well, he was at the beginning. Wiped his whole phone. Yeah. Didn't know who he was. He was like, Went to the hospital. He's like, who's Wayne? That is not me. Went to the hospital just so he didn't have to speak to the cops? His probably partners? Oh, my God. Yeah, like, probably his, like, besties. You know he had work best friends? It was probably, like, his work best friend being like, they're knocking so on his door who's... and he's slamming his head against the he's toilet seat. Like... The next case we're going to be talking about is a cold case and not a soft case because we wanted to save this one for last. Robert B is a 13-year-old boy who went missing in Pekin, Illinois in November of 2016. On a warm November day in 2016, Robert B ran away from his home allegedly to avoid a truancy officer. Running away was not unusual for him, nor was avoiding the truancy officer, but this time he did not return home. In fact, he didn't return a week later or a month later and said he was just missing. Eight months later, his remains were found already decomposed after a long winter and already disturbed by animals in the rural area. His bones were found. Robert had some behavioral issues, and his mom admitted that she may have been too lax to live, allowing him too much freedom for his age. And others in the community said that he was high energy, and he was a kind-hearted boy. When he went missing, there were many stories that he might have spent the night at a friend's house, but it didn't really make sense because he didn't take his bike or his cell phone. They were both left at home, and he didn't take any clothing either, so that knocks out the way of him running away for an extended amount of time. The police searched Robert's home. That's where the case became muddied. Lisa B., Robert's mother, was not exactly mother of the year. Her social media alone made that clear. She was involved with a man who was violent, and she took a restraining order out against him. And not even a month after Robert was missing, she moved to Pekin to a town about an hour south. B.'s extended family was prominent in the search for the boy, while his mother was noticeably absent. Many state agencies searched him as well as missing persons search groups, but nobody had any luck. B.'s remains were found two miles away from his home. With his remain, Tazewell County was able to find out that he suffered blood force trauma and he was identified by his dental records. Though B's case isn't solved and we'll never know if it will be, there is a few theories that his mom knows who did it that, or that her, his boyfriend may have done it. There's also a room where he suffered the head trauma was a house on Sab Street, which is where he would have died or, you know, the pre of. 
And there's also another theory that his mom's boyfriend and his friends may have had something to do with it because they were angry at him. This case is close to home because whether we knew it or not, we were mutuals with Robert B. And it's just scary to think that that could have been any one of us. And it is very sad that he is still not had any justice to his case. Our thoughts about this case. I remember when this all happened, my mom asked if I owned any orange because that was the color of the search party they were going out for. And they searched, I can't exactly remember. I don't know how to explain it, but it's by the prison. It was not too far from where they like found his remains, but it was far enough where they didn't find him at all. But while they were out, I remember she told me how they saw many homeless camps back there and like how she was just like, it was just very upsetting for her. And then for them to come out and say like, because we were driving by when the cops pulled up to find his remains. And it was just really like, my, like I've always been like being able to feel how my mom's feel. And then that second, I just felt her heart sunk because she was less, she told me that she was less than a mile from his body. If they would have just went that way, then they would have found him sooner. And this was like, School was still in session when they were looking for, like, so we hadn't gone out for winter break while they looked. No. Mm, I don't know, but it, school was still in session because she did it while we were at school. So, like, eight months later, that was July. So they, like, she could have found him months earlier. And it was just, like, really, like, devastating for, like, it, I didn't know him personally, but I, like, it was scary. I was so scared for the longest time that it was going to happen to me, too. But, it, like, I, it was just a whole thing. His mom probably did it, though. I, I it's a family issue. I think that she knew, like, about it. because She might not have done it, but, but like, like... Why would you... Like, imagine he, like, did... Something did happen, and he's going... Like, he, like, gets out. Like, he did get kidnapped by somebody, and he escapes, and he wants to go home, and he goes home, and she's not there. Because he, she didn't even really help in the searches. She moved she, away. A month after... Like, it's like, I get you probably want to get away from the fact that your son's missing, but you want to be there and you want to find your kid. It's your kid. And instead, she just let a whole bunch of strangers. Like, it's great that the community stepped up like that to find him, but it's so sad that they had to because she wouldn't. The extended family was doing more than what his close family was doing. And I guess she wasn't mother of the year, but I don't think we can, like, I know there's, like, a standard of what parents should be, but every parent's different. As long as they're not, like, abusive like a parent's trying like today is like these society is not easy and she couldn't even like she wasn't even there for the search of her own kid yeah like she proved social media right that she wasn't a like, good mom and i hate to say that but she obviously wasn't she hasn't even came back either i don't think no but why would you they found your kid buried he wasn't even buried his remains were just there they found her kid and she was like oh that's yeah that's i'm gonna come back to like and it like, can you just, the case is still installed, so his bones are just sitting there on a shelf. Like, he didn't even get, like, And it's not buried. like you can, like, there's no, there's no evidence around his body or anything. No, so because he's just bones. Like, there's no way to do anything else about the case. is the blunt force trauma. And that was because of his, like, the way the skull was formed. And that's the only way they knew. Like, I mean, obviously they know more because they, like, go and, like, do that for a living. But, like. Just think about like so now the case is probably never gonna get solved because how far his remains were yeah two miles from his home like when we go to taps every day if you literally would go underneath the train tracks versus building a shape like this and the yard right next to it is where his body was that's crazy <laughs> it really is crazy and it's scary and like my soul still just hurts not for like not in, like 
not for I don't know not in like the grieving way because like I like I said I didn't know but it just hurts that he had to go through that and that he's never gonna like get justice and his parents know? didn't care yeah like where was his dad like who where like I mean clearly he and his wasn't... mom moved like, you see all these missing persons cases where their parents are trying everything to get their kid back yeah like you know that one um he like went missing it was on TikTok he went missing in the woods and he seen some person shed over like it was a winter storm and he came back in completely different clothes. And the authorities are accusing the parents of not watching him well enough and, like, trying to charge them for, like, kid, like child abuse because he wasn't being watched. But, like, kids are kids. Kids are sneaky. Yeah. And there's parents like that who try to do everything they can and they go and accuse them. But then there's parents like Lisa B. And they yeah. just... Yeah. And authorities are like, oh, they weren't too worried at first because he runs away from every truancy officer. How many truancy meets can he have where officers are coming to his house that many times that he's yeah. ran away from multiple truancy officers? Yeah. Or like that he just runs away, and so you don't need to be like, yeah, he just went to a friend's house, but then he left his phone and his bike and didn't take anything with him. You don't just do that. No, you like I don't even like. I take like two weeks worth of stuff for a day. I'm like I don't know what we're doing the day after. Like it's just very sad that she just didn't care, and she may have cared, but not how she should have. Yeah, she didn't care enough in certain aspects. And I feel like if she maybe would have, then I mean, there's not always like, yeah, we would have found. But there would have been a chance that he was found. Get closure, at least. Yeah, but now he did like, this, I mean, I don't know. But, like, he, his soul doesn't get closure. She doesn't get closure. His family doesn't get closure because she couldn't have helped. I mean, yeah. I don't want to blame it all on her, but, like, what else are we, like? She could have known more stuff and just didn't tell the authorities. She could have been more involved. And, like, I, I feel like she probably blames herself a lot, too. But but does she do anything to help? Not no, she really. She just left. She was like, yoga. And then dipped out. And that's... Thanks, everybody, for tuning into our first episode of People Pleasers Podcast named Abduction. Hopefully, we have another one. Come back soon. Maybe. At some point. Maybe YouTube. Mm, We're not sure yet, but we're living life, and this was fun. Thanks. Peace out.